Today, I'm going to be talking about an extremely scandalous story that should be all over the corporate media. Of course, it's not going to be, especially in English. And this involves a massive corruption scheme in Ecuador. It involves the U.S. government meddling in the presidential election of a foreign country. And it involves the U.S. government trying to use journalist Julian Assange as a political bargaining chip to try to meddle in Ecuador's internal politics and install a multimillionaire corrupt right-wing banker as president. It's a really crazy story and everything is thoroughly documented. Now, it's going to be a little complicated. Here's a warning because it involves some names that you've probably never heard of, especially if you don't follow Ecuadorian politics. I'm going to try to simplify the story as much as I, much as, as much as I can and I'll try to be clear. But I have an article that I published about this over at multipolarisa.com. I will link to it in the description below, and it has all of the sources in there. So if it confuses you a little bit, you can try to go back through and try to understand. But let me go part by part to explain the scandalous story of how the former energy minister of Ecuador testified that the U.S. government, federal agents of the U.S. government, conspired with a right-wing political party in Ecuador in order to try to tamper with and rig the 2017 elections against the left, the leftist movement of Correísmo. I'll explain what that is in a second. And to install a right-wing banker as president. And in return, that banker was going to give up Julian Assange, who was living for years stranded in Ecuador's embassy in London. So let's go through the story. It's pretty complicated. Now, at the beginning of this, I'm just going to show this photo here, which is the header photo of my article. And it, it shows some of the main, the faces of some of the main characters in the story. The first and most important person you should know is Rafael Correa. Correa is the former president of Ecuador. He was president between 2007 and 2017 for two terms. He is a leftist. He, he coined the term 21st century socialism. He actually has a PhD in economics as well. So not only is he a, 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 very, a, a very popular, talented politician, but he also is a very smart, accomplished economist with a PhD. And he created a very unique new form of socialism for the 21st century. So he is the most popular politician in Ecuador, and he has a leftist movement behind him that is called Correísmo, named after him, right? So it's common in Latin America, if someone follows a certain leader, they'll say their name with Ista at the end, right? So Hugo Chávez in Venezuela, his followers are the Chavistas. Or um, in Sandino, Agosto Sandino, who led the the guerrilla army against the U.S. military colonial occupation of Nicaragua in the 1930s, his followers are the Sandinistas, right? So the Correistas are the followers of Rafael Correa. And when he was president, he declared something called the Citizens' Revolution. So those are that's his movement. And it's still today, it is the largest and most popular movement, political movement in Ecuador, although it's currently in the political opposition to the current right-wing government that is led by the man on the right hand of this image here. His name is Guillermo Lasso. He is a conservative multimillionaire banker. He's very right-wing. 
He has been involved in Opus Dei, the extremely conservative Catholic sect, and he's very corrupt. He's notorious for having extensive links to corruption, millions of dollars stashed in offshore bank accounts and tax shelters. He's been linked to dozens of Florida properties. He's extremely corrupt and very rich, and he's currently the president of Ecuador. He had run in two previous presidential elections, and he won the 2021 elections and is now president. Now, there are two other guys who are featured in this image here, and I'll explain who they are in a second because they're not as well known. But the two main figures to keep in mind here are Rafael Correa, the leftist former president who governed from 2007 until 2017, and the current right-wing multimillionaire banker president, Guillermo Lasso. Okay, so let's continue going through the story now. So this image here is the former energy minister of Ecuador. His name is Carlos Pareja Yanuseli. Okay, so another name, I know that's complicated. This guy served first as the head of Ecuador's state oil company, which is called Petro Ecuador. Ecuador has a lot of oil reserves. And basically, one of the main economic models that the former leftist former president Correa used is that he used the oil exports from Ecuador to fund social programs, investing in education and healthcare and jobs programs and poverty reduction. So the oil in Ecuador is owned by the state and it's run by this company, Petro Ecuador. So this guy, Carlos Pareja Yanuseli, he was the head of the state oil giant and then he became energy minister under Correa. Now, what Correa didn't know, of course, is that Carlos Pareja Yanuseli was very corrupt. And he, in 2016, if you remember, there was a leak of the Panama Papers. The Panama Papers is a list, a massive leak with information on offshore bank accounts. Many of those were in, but they were in Panama. That's why they're called the Panama Papers, right? Well, it was disclosed in 2016 that this energy minister, Carlos Pareja Yanuseli, had stashed millions of stolen money, millions of dollars of stolen money in offshore bank accounts in Panama, and they were in accounts that were under the names of his family members. So in 2016, the Panama Papers came out in April. In May of 2016, he was forced to resign and Correa replaced him with another energy minister. And then the Correa government opened up a corruption investigation against him. And what happened in September of that year, 2016, he somehow fled the country. And it's speculated that he could have had the support of corrupt people and customs. Maybe he bribed them, whatever. But he managed to flee the country. And where did he go? Drum roll, Miami, Florida. He went to the United States. So he is the corrupt former energy minister. And he's living in the United States in late 2016 and early 2017. And he is approached by a right-wing political operative from a party called Creo. Creo is the right-wing political party of the current president, Guillermo Lasso. And the leader of that right-wing political party was someone named Cesar Monje Ortega. Obviously, Ortega is a very common last name of no relation whatsoever to the leftist 
socialist president of Nicaragua. And for people who might be confused, in Latin America, it is custom that people have two last names. Your first last name is the last name of your father. Your second last name is the last name of your mother. So that means that pretty much everyone has two last names. And typically, although you legally have two last names, you're referred to by just your first last name, which is the last name of your father. So this guy, Cesar Monje Ortega, he's just Cesar Monje, right? And he's referred to simply as Monje. Similarly, uh, the former president, Rafael Correa, his other last name is actually Delgado. Rafael Correa Delgado, but everyone just knows him as Correa, right? Or in the case, you know, I mentioned Daniel Ortega, Daniel Ortega's other last name is Saavedra, but people, no one really calls him Daniel Ortega Saavedra. They just call him Daniel Ortega, right? Or just Ortega. So your first last name is your main last name that you go by. So anyway, this guy here, he was the former leader of the right-wing political party in Ecuador, Creo. His name is Cesar Monge. Now, he was one of the closest allies of the current right-wing president of, of Ecuador, Guillermo Lasso. And Monge, he actually was the minister of government of Lasso when he became president in 2021. So that makes him the most important figure in the, the, the Lasso government. And the media referred to him as the right hand of Guillermo Lasso, but he died of cancer in July of 2021. So he had been an important ally. So these two characters are important. Again, the leader of the right-wing political party in Ecuador, Creo, Cesar Monge, and the former energy minister, Carlos Pareja Yanuselli. So what happened? Uh, Carlos Pareja Yanuselli was, was, he fled the corruption investigation in 2016 and he went to Miami, Florida. And in December of 2016, uh, Carlos Pareja testified, he wrote in an affidavit, he testified that the right-wing leader of this party, Creo, uh, Monge, approached him and wanted Carlos Pareja, the former energy minister, to testify against Correa, the former leftist president, and spread false claims of corruption against Correa. And this right-wing Ecuadorian political leader said that he had the support of the U.S. government and federal agents of the U.S. government who are conspiring with the right-wing Creo party of the current banker president, Lasso, against the leftist movement of former president Rafael Correa. So that this is an example of not only the U.S. government conspiring and meddling in a foreign election, but it's also doing so on behalf of a corrupt right-wing banker, Guillermo Lasso, who is the presidential candidate in 2017. And it, it, the U.S. government is backing this campaign to spread fake news and disinformation against the leftist movement of Rafael Correa. So this is yet another example of throughout history of the U.S. government conspiring against the left in Latin America on behalf of the right wing. And in a, and conspiring with extremely corrupt people to do so. Okay, so Carlos Pareja, the former energy minister who, was, who fled corruption invest, the corruption investigation, living in Miami, he said that, that this leader of the right-wing Creo party, Monge, and the U.S. federal agents offered him 
a huge sum of money. He didn't say exactly in his written testimony, but it speculated millions of dollars because of evidence later compiled in the corruption investigation. So they offer him millions of dollars, and even more importantly, the U.S. federal agents offer this corrupt former energy minister of Ecuador U.S. protection in the United States. They tell him, if you testify against Correa, in the, and we will give you millions of dollars in protection in the United States. So at first he says that he was kind of wary about this, but the, the right-wing political leader in Ecuador, Monge, and the U.S. federal agents repeatedly met with him in Miami in December and January of 2016 and 2017. And then he finally agreed to say, yes, I will testify against Correa and, and make fake charges of corruption. Now, according to his written testimony, which of course is only in Spanish, I translated it into English. I'm going to read the exact language of what this former energy minister wrote. He said that I, he was offered an important sum of money and federal North American protection. Of course, in Latin America and Spanish, when people talk about the U.S. government, they, don't, they, they say Estados Unidos, which means United States. They don't say America because all of Latin America is part of America, right? America includes North and Central and South America, right? So in, in Spanish, when they say North American, they mean the U.S. government, right? They, they don't say Americano. They say Norte Americano, which is North American. Okay, so... In this testimony, he said that Monge, who's the leader of the right-wing Creo party, he said, Monge insisted to me that I could contact North American federal agents that were working with Creo for a long time. Creo is the right-wing political party. So that's to say that the U.S. government for a long time had been conspiring with this right-wing political party of the current president, the millionaire banker president, Lasso. And... He said they would provide me with protection and stability in the United States. And this is where Julian Assange comes in. He said he assured me that the U.S. Democratic Party was committed to backing Lasso's presidential candidacy. Lasso is the millionaire banker. In exchange for Julian Assange to expose his link with the current president of the United States. Now, of course... What this is, is, is a conspiracy theory that elements of the Ecuadorian opposition were spreading, and I'll get to that in a second, claiming that Julian Assange supposedly had been conspiring with Donald Trump, who of course was U.S. president at the time. Now, this fake story, it's completely bogus. He, Assange was not conspiring with Donald Trump. That is a fake story that comes from another figure in this scandal, I know these names can be complicated. His name is Fernando Villavicencio. Fernando Villavicencio is a notorious right-wing political operative in Ecuador. And Villavicencio was under, when Correa was president, he was one of the top opposition figures against Correa. He ran a, an insane opposition media outlet that had all these fake news stories and propaganda accusing Correa of all these ridiculous allegations. And his media outlet, which was called La Fuente, was funded by the U.S. government. So this guy, Villavicencio, in the photo you, I have before me here, you can see he's the one wearing glasses on the right side. 
he conspired with The Guardian, the British newspaper, to publish a ridiculous, bogus story trying to link Julian Assange to Paul Manafort, who was one of the top officials in the Donald Trump campaign. Now, WikiLeaks, of course, WikiLeaks was founded by Julian Assange. He was the editor until he was imprisoned. WikiLeaks has adamantly said again and again and again that this article in The Guardian was completely false. It was fabricated by Via Vicencio, this, Equ this Ecuadorian political operative who's closely linked to U.S. intelligence agencies. And WikiLeaks raised money and for a legal fund to sue The Guardian over this story that they said is fake. Where did the story came, come from? The story came from Via Vicencio, this right-wing Ecuadorian political operative linked to U.S. intelligence agencies, and he wrote it in collaboration with the notorious Russiagate huckster Luke Harding, who was a writer at The Guardian, and Dan Collins. So this is, this is when Russiagate was at its peak in 2018, right? In December of 2018. So this tweet shows a photo of Via Vicencio boasting of working with these Russiagate Guardian hucksters to spread this fake story, allegedly, about Julian Assange, Assange supposedly conspiring with Paul Manafort in the Donald Trump administration, or sorry, the Donald Trump campaign before he became president. So now we get back to the allegation made. So what the, allegedly the conspiracy was that U.S. federal agents were trying to get Julian Assange, and in turn, they were going to support this right-wing banker candidate, you can see in the photo here, Guillermo Lasso, in the 2017 election. He was the other candidate in the 2017 election, and the U.S. government was going to support his candidacy and spread disinformation against the leftist candidate of the Correista movement. I'll talk about him in a second. And in return, they wanted Lasso's and his party, Creo, and the leader of the party, Monge, to promise that they would give up Julian Assange. And of course, the Democratic Party wanted Julian Assange because they wanted, they wanted supposed evidence that Julian Assange had helped get Donald Trump elected, which is absurd. So there's so many different conspiracies within conspiracies happening here, right? And when I say conspiracy, I don't mean like a crazy tinfoil, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. I mean, these are objective facts that were revealed by this former energy minister in written testimony that he wrote in 2019 from prison. And how do we have this written testimony? We have this written testimony because former president Rafael Correa tweeted the written testimony on November 9th, 2022. He tweeted the written testimony that's written and signed by Carlos Pareja from prison and, and has his thumbprint on it. This is a, an affidavit, written testimony. Now, I'll explain why Correa released this written testimony because that is another complicated element of this. And it involves this corrupt Ecuadorian figure, uh, Fernando Villavicencio, who, as I said, is very closely linked to U.S. intelligence agencies. So... I know this is complicated. I know there's a lot of names here. I'll get to that in a second. That, that detail is not as important. Let me continue going back to this affidavit, this written testimony from the imprisoned former Ecuadorian energy minister, Carlos Pareja. Now, I should point out that Carlos Pareja in Ecuador, he is known, he's often referred to as Capaya. And that comes from his name, which is his full name, 
is Carlos Pareja Yanuseli. Now, Pareja is his first last name. Yanuseli is his second last name. If you take the first two letters of his names here, C-A from Carlos, P-A from Pareja, and, and Y-A from Yanuseli, you get Capaya. So often in the media, Carlos Pareja Yanuseli is referred to not, not simply as Pareja, which is his first last name. You can call him Pareja, or it's, he's often called Capaya, right? Just as, you know, um, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt is called FDR, or, uh, you know, JFK is referred to as, John F. Kennedy is referred to as from initials, or AOC, right? So if you take his first, the, the, the syllables, of, uh, the letters of his three name, of his name here, it's Capaya. Okay, so anyway, Capaya slash Pareja, it's the same guy, right? He wrote this written testimony from prison in 2019, talking about how when he was living in Miami, Florida, in the United States, in late 2016 and early 2017, he was conspiring with the U.S. government and the right-wing political party, Creo, in order to meddle in the 2017 presidential election in Ecuador, because there's a two-term presidential limit in Ecuador. So Rafael Correa, he'd served from 2017, 2007 until 2017, he could no longer run for president. So that brings the 2017 elections. Okay, so let's continue the story of what happened here. Now, uh, Carlos Pareja Capaya is a fugitive from justice. He fled to the United States. He's living in Miami in late 2016 and early 2017. And he's approached by Monge, the leader of the right-wing Creo party, and asked to testify in return for large sums of money and U.S. government protection to, to spread false accusations of corruption against Rafael Correa in order to meddle in the election to hurt the leftist candidate and help the right-wing candidate Guillermo Lasso of the Creo party. Okay, so uh, Capaya wrote in his testimony that one day Monge visited me with U.S. federal agents and together they guaranteed me protection in the United States in exchange for my participation in the smear campaign against Alianza País, which is the political party of Rafael Correa, in order to influence the presidential elections in Ecuador in 2017. So he refers to it as influencing the elections. This is election meddling. So Capaya said after this in-person meeting with the U.S. federal agents, he agreed to accept their offer. His role was to make outlandish accusations against Correa. And let's not forget, at this time, Correa was still in office until 2017. So he wrote, Capaya, this is the former energy minister who's fleeing justice. He wrote in the written testimony, he said the, that the right-wing Creo party and the U.S. government gave him a script and that script was created and prepared by Fernando Villavicencio, who according to Monge had been contracted by the right-wing political party Creo of Guillermo Lasso. So who is Fernando Villavicencio? He is the right-wing political operative who published the alleged fake story in The Guardian against Julian Assange. He is the guy who had the, the media outlet funded by the U.S. government. He's closely linked to U.S. intelligence agencies. He, backed, he was a key figure in a coup attempt against Rafael Correa in 2010. This guy is a veteran anti-Correista political operative closely linked to the U.S. government. So he 
was working for the right-wing Creo party, which was also backed by the U.S. government. And he, he wrote a literal script with absurd accusations of corruption against Rafael Correa and other top members of his government, including Rafael uh, Correa's vice president, Jorge Glass. Now, Jorge Glass was imprisoned on bogus charges, and he's still today in prison. He was briefly released and imprisoned again. And he was on a hunger strike for, for many weeks. He, he, he came close to dying. His health is very bad. So because of this guy here in the glasses, who's, again, a U.S. asset, a right-wing Ecuadorian political operative and a U.S. asset, Fernando Villavicencio, he's the guy who got Jorge Glass imprisoned by making these fake charges and the former energy minister living in Miami and conspiring with the U.S. government and the right-wing Creo party, Capaya or Carlos Pareja, he also spread these accusations by reading the script that was compiled by Fernando Villavicencio and the U.S. government. And he wrote in his written testimony, this is an exact quote from his testimony, he said, they told me that in order for there to be an agreement, that is in order for him to be given the money and protection by the U.S. government, quote, I had to follow the script to a T. That is to say, he had to read the exact script given to him. And he said, quote, to this end, we met various times in Miami between December 2016 and January 2017. And he notes that there was videos, there were videos of these meetings that were leaked and published on social media. And Capaya said that, quote, a big part of the script was dedicated to accusing Correa and his other vice president, Jorge Glass, of corruption. And that is what led Jorge Glass to being imprisoned. And the government tr of Ecuador tried to imprison Correa, but he was living in Belgium because Correa's wife is Belgium, is Belgian. So uh, there, are, there, are, there are numerous fake charges against Correa. Not only fake corruption charges, but famously, there were fake charges of psychic influence made against Correa. I mean, the, the right-wing governments that have governed Correa since 2017 are just insane. And they accused Correa of so many ridiculous things. But one of those is psychic influence over his, over his followers. And this has become a meme in Ecuador. They, they say, influjo psíquico. That's, that's the term that was used by the Justice Department, that Correa has psychic influence. And there, there actually are t-shirts. I actually have one of these t-shirts that I bought when I was in Ecuador. Um, beautiful country. I always love visiting Ecuador. And, uh, and uh, this, I have one of these t-shirts. It, it it's like a viral t-shirt that you would see people, especially during the 2021 election, that Correistas would wear these t-shirts. Um, and you can see here a photo of the former president, Rafael Correa, with this t-shirt of psychic influence. Um, so that's one of, those are some of the fake charges against him. It's completely absurd. So anyway, the point is that there were all these fake charges made against Rafael Correa and this former energy minister living in Miami, working with the US government, Carlos Pareja, is one of the people involved in helping to spread these fake charges by reading a script that was quite literally written for him by this US asset Fernando Villavicencio. Okay, so in this testimony, Carlos Pareja Capaya, he says that, 
quote, they made me name third parties that I don't know. So the U.S. federal agents and the right-wing Creo party forced him to name people, to incriminate people that he had never even heard of. One of those people was a man named Frank Roberto Chatburn Ripalda. He was a Miami-based financial advisor who had dual citizenship of the U.S. and Ecuador. Now, this is also significant because not only was Jorge Glass, the former vice president of Correa, imprisoned on these fake corruption allegations that Capaya made under pressure of the U.S. government and the right-wing Creo party, but also this guy, Frank Chatburn, he is a U.S. citizen. He was also imprisoned. So a U.S. citizen was imprisoned under very suspicious, dubious allegations of corruption that came from this corrupt Ecuadorian former minister who was bribed with money and, and promised federal support from the U.S. government in order to, to make these accusations. This should be a major scandal. There is a U.S. citizen who's currently in prison right now who could be innocent. So why, would the, why were the U.S. federal agents so insistent on incriminating this U.S. citizen, Frank Chatburn? Well, in his testimony, Carlos Pareja, the former energy minister, he testified saying, and I'm, I'm quoting him exactly. He said, quote, Despite that I told them on more than one occasion that I never had any relation with him and that he was not being investigated or processed in Ecuador, they, that is the federal agents, expressly told me that in order for there to be an agreement, it was required to mention Chotburn because he had U.S. nationality. And with that, the federal agents could justify this, this, their participation and initiate actions against him in the United States. So, so what's going on here is the U.S. federal agents want to justify their involvement in what is clearly an example of the U.S. government meddling in an internal Ecuadorian affair involving corruption allegedly in Ecuador. So the U.S. Justice Department was trying to justify its involvement. So in order to do that, it tries to incriminate a Miami-based financial advisor named Frank Chatburn, who was a dual U.S. citizen and Ecuadorian citizen. And what happened in 2019, the Justice Department imprisoned him. They charged him with three and a half years in prison over money laundering. So is this U.S. citizen who's currently in prison still, is he innocent? I mean, I guess he could be guilty. It's a possibility. But a part, a significant part of the testimony made against him that led to him being imprisoned was based on the coerced fake charges, the fake accusations made by Carlos Pareja under pressure by U.S. federal agents who promised him a large sum of money and protection by the U.S. government after he fled Ecuador because he didn't want to be imprisoned for corruption. This is a scandal. This is not only a scandal in Ecuador. This should be a scandal in the United States itself. Was a U.S. citizen falsely imprisoned based on false accusations made by a corrupt Ecuadorian official being harbored and protected by the U.S. government and being pressured by the U.S. government to name this guy, even though he didn't even know who he was. Like I said, 
This story is scandalous. It involves Julian Assange. It involves meddling in a foreign election. It involves making false accusations against someone who's a U.S. citizen by U.S. federal agents. So this story is extremely scandalous. Now, this brings me back to Fernando Villavicencio. He is the right-wing political operative in Ecuador who was involved in a coup attempt against Correa. He's closely linked to U.S. intelligence. He worked with the Guardian newspaper to spread alleged fake charges, fake accusations against Julian Assange, which WikiLeaks threatened to sue over to try to link Julian Assange to Donald Trump. Okay, so this also brings me to why Correa, on November 9th, published this scandalous blockbuster written affidavit from Via Vicencio, who wrote it in prison in 2019 with his signature and his fingerprint, his thumbprint. So why did Correa share this on November 9th? Well, he was saying that the only criminal organ, this is what he tweeted in Spanish. He says, the only or criminal organization that should be investigated is between Via Vicencio and Pareja. So he said, also on this occasion, was Via Vicencio given the scripts and then hashtag the corrupt ones were always them. This is a hashtag that Correa often uses to point out that the people falsely accusing him of corruption are the ones who are themselves corrupt. So why did he share this on November 9th? He shared it because on that same day, the Ecuadorian National Assembly, its auditing committee, opened an investigation into accusations of corruption made against Correa. And who was testifying? None other than Pareja, Carlos Pareja, the corrupt former energy minister. Now, what happened to Carlos Pareja? He was living in Miami in late 2016 and early 2017, conspiring against Correa, helping the U.S. government meddle in the 2017 presidential election to try to help the right-wing millionaire banker Guillermo Lasso win that election. But what happened? Lasso actually lost the election in 2017. He lost... And because he lost, that meant that he could not fulfill his side of the bargain with the U.S. government. And that meant that the Creo party, the right-wing party of Lasso, who, whose leader, Cesar Monge, was conspiring with Carlos Pareja in Miami, they no longer had the political power they were promising. So they went AWOL. They, they stopped communicating with Carlos Pareja. They abandoned him. They burned him. They betrayed him, which is another example of why you should never, ever, ever, ever in a million years conspire with the U.S. government. They will burn you. They will throw you under the bus. How many times do they have to do it? You can never, ever, ever in a million years trust the U.S. government. So what happened? The U.S. government abandoned him. The right-wing Creo party abandoned him. And he was forced to leave the United States because he did not have, his visa expired, right? So he was forced to leave the United States and Ecuador imprisoned him. And he was sentenced to many years in prison on, on, on multiple charges of corruption and many things. Okay, so he was in prison in 2017 after he had fled to the United States and the U.S. abandoned him because his candidate, the preferred right-wing banker, lost the election in 2017. Okay, so this guy, Carlos Pareja, was in prison in 2017 and in 2019, from prison, he wrote this 
testimony, this affidavit with his fingerprint on it. Okay. So on November 9th of 2022, the National Assembly in Ecuador, the auditing committee organized a hearing accusing Correa of corruption. Who runs that committee in the National Assembly? None other than Fernando Villavicencio, the right-wing political operative who conspired with the Guardian newspaper to spread the alleged false story against Julian Assange. He, after being a notorious right-wing gadfly, a thorn in the side of Correa, he became a member of the National Assembly, and he is using that role to wage a legal war that is lawfare against Correa and his Correista movement. So on November 9th, the same day that Correa shared this incriminating testimony that was made by Carlos Pareja, the former energy minister, on that same day, Fernando Villavicencio had a ridiculous hearing in the National Assembly's auditing committee based on accusations from Carlos Pareja, who himself admitted in the written affidavit that he was paid, or he was, he was actually, actually never actually was paid. He was offered large sums of money and U.S. government protection to make fake accusations of corruption against Rafael Correa. So if he admitted to making fake corruption accusations against Correa back in 2016 and 2017, why would anyone believe the accusations he is now making against Correa of corruption? That is why Correa shared this written affidavit on Twitter. And that's why he said, on this occasion, was Villavicencio given the, the, was he also given the scripts? That is to say that Carlos Pareja, back in 2017, when he was testifying against Correa, he admitted in his written testimony that he was given a script by the U.S. federal agents in which he read fake accusations against Correa, against his vice president, Jorge Glass, against the U.S. citizen, Frank Chatburn, and others. So that's why Correa was saying, wait, so is he once again being given these fake accusations of corruption? We can't believe this guy. So that explains why Correa shared this written testimony on November 9th. It explains who Villavicencio is, his extremely suspicious and shady role. And finally, this brings us to one other detail in the story, which is also very complicated and why I tried to minimize the complexity of the story because I didn't want to confuse people because it already involves names like Carlos Pareja, Capaya, the corrupt former energy minister. It involves people like Cesar Monge, the former leader of the right-wing Creo party. It involves... Guillermo Lasso, the current right-wing president. And there's one other name that we need to talk about here who's very important to understand the full situation. And that explains why Julian Assange was betrayed. And that is Lenin Moreno. Lenin Moreno was one of Correa's former vice presidents. Correa had two vice presidents. His first vice president was Lenin Moreno, who you can see in the photo here in the wheelchair. And his other vice president was Jorge Glass, who is in prison on the bogus corruption allegations that were made by Carlos Pareja in collaboration with the U.S. government. Okay, so Lenin Moreno had been Correa's first vice president. And in the 2017 presidential election, 
Lenin Moreno was the candidate from the leftist Correista movement and from Correa's political party, Alianza País. In 2017, pretty much everyone assumed that Lenin Moreno would continue the socialist political program of Rafael Correa because he had been Correa's vice president. He ran a left-wing campaign promising to continue those programs. He didn't make any hints that he was going to be a right-winger, a closet right-winger. So in the 2017 presidential election, it was widely assumed by the right-wing opposition that Lenin Moreno was the candidate of the left. That's why the U.S. government was conspiring with Guillermo Lasso to try to get him elected because they knew he would be a, a, an obedient U.S. puppet because he's a right-wing banker, millionaire banker. But what happened? Lenin Moreno won the election and soon after he did a, a complete 180 and he totally betrayed Correa. He, his government made all these fake accusations and charges against Correa. They imprisoned the other former vice president, Jorge Glass, who, who re remained loyal to Correismo. And they started persecuting and imprisoning and exiling numerous Correista politicians. Those are the people who follow the Correista movement, the socialist political movement founded by Correa, also known as the Citizens' Revolution. So Lenin Moreno became a complete traitor Again, he's the guy in the photo you can see here in the wheelchair. He became a puppet of the Donald Trump administration, and he, he did everything that the U.S. government wanted him to do, including he even recognized U.S. puppet Juan Guaido as the fake imaginary leader of Venezuela. And Rafael Correa had been an ally of Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro, and he had supported Venezuela. Correa is himself a socialist, and under Correa, Ecuador joined the Bolivarian Alliance, which is an economic alliance, an anti-imperialist alliance founded by Cuba and Venezuela that included Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Ecuador, Honduras, and Bolivia. And what happened? After Lenin Moreno betrayed the Citizens' Revolution and became a U.S. puppet of the Donald Trump administration, he withdrew Ecuador from the Bolivarian Alliance. He ended the recognition of Venezuela's government in 2019 when the Trump administration initiated its coup against the Venezuelan government. He recognized Juan Guaido, and he also withdrew Ecuador from the Union of South American Republics, which is called UNASUR, which is a re an organization of regional unity to try to unite Latin America. It's kind of like the African Union, but for South America. And who was one of the co-founders of UNASUR? It was... Rafael Correa, he had strongly supported UNASUR as an instrument of regional integration. And he made Ecuador the capital of UNASUR. And what happened? Lenin Moreno, under U.S. orders, he withdrew Ecuador from the, the ALBA, the Bolivarian Alliance, and from UNASUR, and he kicked out the headquarters. So this guy was a complete U.S. puppet. And many Correista politicians have alleged that Lenin Moreno was either bribed and or blackmailed by the U.S. government. That, that allegedly he has millions of dollars in offshore bank accounts that were given to him from the U.S. government. He is literally a vendepatria in Spanish. Vendepatria means someone who sells out their country, sells out their homeland. And he became a complete puppet. There's also allegations that he was blackmailed with alleged, you know, uh, you know sexual allegations and, and all of that. So 
Anyway, the point is that he became a complete traitor. He, imp he imprisoned Jorge Glass. He made all these fake charges against Correa. He recognized Guaido and he betrayed Julian Assange. Julian Assange comes back into this. So Rafael Correa, the socialist former president of Ecuador, was a personal friend of Julian Assange. They got along very well. Correa appeared on Julian Assange's TV show when he briefly had a TV show. Okay. Correa offered Julian Assange not only asylum in the Ecuadorian embassy when the U.S. and the British governments were trying to imprison Julian Assange for the so-called crime and scare quotes of doing journalism and exposing U.S. war crimes. So Rafael Correa offered asylum, political asylum, in the Ecuadorian embassy to Assange, which is why Assange ended up stranded there for over seven years. And by the way, the a UN working group of top legal experts, the, U, the United Nations top legal experts on arbitrary detention, they declared, they ruled in 2016 that Julian Assange was arbitrarily detained and that he should be freed and be given uh, political uh, guarantees that he would not be imprisoned by British or US authorities and he should be given compensation. So. The U.S. and Britain were violating international law. They still are by holding Julian Assange as a political prisoner in, in Belmarsh Prison in, in Britain, this maximum security prison for so-called terrorists. So the U.S. and Britain are violating international law. They're violating a U.N. declaration. And Rafael Correa, the socialist former president of Ecuador, was the one abiding by international law and protecting this journalist, Julian Assange. Not only that, Correa not only gave asylum to Assange, but he also agreed to give Assange Ecuadorian citizenship. And Assange was made into an Ecuadorian citizen. And that started under Correa and it continued at first under, under Lenny Moreno, the traitor. And not only did Lenny Moreno violate the sovereignty of his own country by allowing British authorities to raid the Ecuadorian embassy in London, in violation of international law of the Vienna Convention, which says that a country's consulate or embassy is its, is its sovereign territory, even though it's in a foreign country. So Ecuador's, Ecuador's um, embassy in London is Ecuadorian territory. British authorities cannot enter it, but the traitor to his country, to his name, he's named after Vladimir Lenin. That's why people thought he was going to be a leftist. Lenin is named after Vladimir Lenin. His parents were leftists. Lenin Moreno is a traitor to his country, to his name, and to Julian Assange. He allowed British authorities to violate Ecuadorian sovereignty. He also, he withdrew, he, he withdrew Julian Assange's citizenship. He stripped Julian Assange of his Ecuadorian citizenship. Lenin Moreno. He betrayed his own citizen. He allowed British authorities to violate Ecuadorian sovereignty, to kidnap Julian Assange, to imprison him in Belmarsh prison. And he's been held there for well over the, the, he was supposed to be there allegedly for one year because he skipped bail, which was obviously a ridiculous uh, accusation. And he's been there now for three years. And the, the British government is going to extradite him to the U.S., which wants to throw Assange in prison for the rest of his life and throw away the key. So that explains why Lenin Moreno still betrayed Assange, even though the U.S. government had been actually betting on 
the right-wing banker, Guillermo Lasso, who's currently president, because they knew he was going to be a loyal U.S. puppet. But apparently, after Moreno got into office, according to Correista politicians in Ecuador, the U.S. bribed him or blackmailed him, and he just completely did a 180. So... That explains, I know it's a very complicated story. That's why I was trying to go through to try to explain this as, as well as I could in detail for people who don't follow Ecuadorian politics. I know it's complicated. So finally, there's going to be one other detail of the story that just shows how deep the corruption is in not only the right-wing Ecuadorian current government, but also the U.S. government. It shows how disgusting the the these corrupt U.S. networks are in Miami with involving U.S. federal agents and intelligence networks. Okay, so finally, I'm going to mention one other uh, family name here, and that is the Ecuadorian oligarch family, the Isaias family. Okay, who are the Isaias brothers? There are two multimillionaire corrupt banker brothers who fled from Ecuador to the United States. They live in Miami, Florida. They're named William and Roberto Esayas. Who are they? Okay, these are right-wing political operatives who are viciously against the socialist president Correa and his leftist political movement Correismo. They are millionaire oligarchs, and where do they get their money from? They stole their money from the Ecuadorian people in 1998, in 1999 when they fled the country and they went to Miami, Florida. And after they fled, the government of Ecuador froze and seized all of their Ecuador-based assets. Of course, they they stashed most of their ass their assets, especially their money, offshore in Miami and other bank accounts. But any assets they still had in Ecuador were seized by the Ecuadorian government. They are criminals. It's not an opinion. They are literally criminals. And they fled to Miami, Florida and been, have been living there since the late 1990s. Why did they flee? They fled during a massive economic meltdown in Ecuador that is still notorious today that is known as the Feriado Bancario. What is the Feriado Bancario? It is the bank crisis in which Ecuador's banks completely crashed in a kind of Great Depression style uh, depression. And what happened? So who, who oversaw who was responsible for causing the Feriado Bancario, this massive crash? None other than Guillermo Lasso, the right-wing millionaire banker who is currently president of Ecuador. I mentioned earlier that he's notorious for his extreme corruption. Everyone knows this. It was known when he was running for president that he's corrupt. He, he has dozens of properties in Florida. He has millions of dollars hidden in offshore bank accounts. He is objectively corrupt. It's not an opinion. It's an objective fact. And what happened? In 1998 and 1999, in 1999, when the Feriado Bancario, the bank crash happened, he, Guillermo Lasso, was the so-called super minister of the economy. That's not, I'm not exaggerating. That was literally his name. He wasn't just economic minister. His literal name was Superministro de la Economía. Superministro, superminister. The neoliberal government at the time appointed him as superminister. Why? Because he was a Chicago boy. This is at the peak of neoliberalism in the late 1990s, right? He was a neoliberal Chicago boy, and he, was, he wanted to impose all of these neoliberal 
Pinochet-style economic policies in Ecuador. And surprise, surprise, he destroyed the Ecuadorian economy. The economy went completely bankrupt, and there was a bank run. Why was there a bank run? Because he and all his friends, who all had his banker friends, of course, Guillermo was a banker, they hid, they stashed all of their money in dollars, in U.S. dollars. And meanwhile, there was a bank run because there was hyperinflation because of his policies. The Ecuadorian currency, which was called the Sucre, became completely devalued. And you saw thousand percent inflation, massive inflation going through the roofs. So all of these Ecuadorians were trying to get their Sucre, their, the vast majority of working class Ecuadorians, of course, and even middle class Ecuadorians had their wealth stored in the national currency, not in foreign currencies. That's true for most people around the world. Only rich people in foreign countries have their wealth stored in, in foreign currencies. Okay, so the, the currency was very heavily devaluating, which meant that people in Ecuador were trying to get their money out of the bank to go invest, to, to buy anything they can, like real estate or gold, anything they can stand, they can, they can hold value more because if they just kept their, their sucre, their currency, Ecuadorian currency in the banks, it would just lose all the value. So that meant that there was a bank run. There were long lines for hours and hours of people trying to withdraw their money from the bank. And then that further devalued the currency and it caused this massive economic tailspin. And meanwhile, Guillermo Lasso and his banker friends like the Isaias brothers, they and, and Lasso and others, they had all their wealth in dollars. So they devalued the Sucre, the Ecuadorian currency, and the, comp the, comp the country went completely bankrupt. Millions of Ecuadorians, including working class and, and middle class Ecuadorians, lost their, lost their life savings. And two bankers, I mean, there were many of them, but two of the very corrupt bankers involved, William and Roberto Isaias, they fled with millions of dollars to Miami, Florida and made all that money. And from there, they continued being involved in Ecuadorian politics. And when Rafael Correa, again, a socialist with a PhD in economics, one of the reasons that he was so popular when he came to power in 2007, one of the reasons he won the election is because he railed against Guillermo Lasso and the bankers and the, the feriado bancario, the bank crash. And he promised a new socialist program of socialism in the 21st century. And he, he actually oversaw massive economic growth, a massive decrease in poverty and inequality, a massive decrease in violent crime and an increase in education spending and healthcare and infrastructure. I mean, it was a golden age. I've, I've talked to so many Ecuadorians who were like, you don't understand. Those are the best years of our lives when Correa was president. And before we were governed by a bunch of rich, corrupt neoliberal oligarchs. And once again, we're governed by a bunch of rich, corrupt neoliberal oligarchs who are funded by the US government, including people like the Isaias brothers, who from exile have always funded the right-wing anti-Correa political opposition in Ecuador. And by the way, while they're doing that from Ecuador, I mean, sorry, while they're doing that from Miami, they also have been involved in US politics. And the last note I'll end on here is who are these, so these Ecuadorian criminals who stole millions of dollars from their people, they also have been involved in funding US politicians, including both Republicans and Democrats, such as Senators Marco Rubio and Bob Menendez, Republican and Democrat, the Republican Florida Congresswoman Eliana Ross Leighton, and even the Democratic former President Barack Obama. So this story for me, I mean, it says everything about 
the links of corruption, of the U.S. government meddling in foreign countries' elections to try to help the right wing against the left, of using Julian Assange as a bargaining trip, chip. It's all in there. The extreme corruption at the heart of the U.S. empire. I know this is a very long episode, but it was a very complicated story. I wanted to explain it because, of course, you're never going to see this in the mainstream corporate media, especially in English, but even in Spanish language media. So if you like this reporting that I do, I have no big sponsors. I'm a completely independent journalist. You can go to patreon.com slash multipolarista. I'm going to continue bringing you independent investigative journalism like this. You can find the article, the link to the article at multipolarista.com in the description below. Thanks so much for listening or watching. I'm Ben Norton, and I'll see you all next time.